Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Juhu Roadshow podcast. I am the Juhu in the Juhu Roadshow podcast. It's Justin Hunt, and I don't sound all that good because I don't feel all that good. But I'm dedicated to you guys, so I'm here. I'm I'm uh, I'm sitting with my um, my Folgers hazelnut. That's my thing. Is the hazelnut hazelnut coffee hazelnut creamer? I'm not exactly sure when that started, but I love that shit. I love it. So I'm a hazelnut guy now. And so I'm I'm having some coffee, and I've been laid up for about three days with this sinus thing. Um, really, really sucked the past few days, to be frank with you. Um, I started feeling it oh, probably Wednesday of last week, but I, I'm one of those people that, you know, I, I try to like mentally fight things off, which I would say more than, more than half the time, probably like three quarters of the time it works. Um, but I had, um, the podcast recording set up with Jim Brewer last Thursday. And so we had to drive to Albuquerque on Thursday and record the podcast Thursday night. And so when I started feeling not so great on Wednesday, I said, no, 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 no. You can't, uh, can't be sick. Can't miss this. So I had just about every legal drug known to man in my body on Thursday and Thursday night during the drive. And and actually, I felt fine. I felt okay. But um, did the uh, podcast with Jim on Thursday at the uh, Santa Ana Star Casino, which is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, my son and I went down. We had a really nice drive. I'm going to take a sip of that that Folgers I was telling you about. I had a really nice drive down on Thursday and um, got to the casino and, you know, I just had, I've had so much stuff going on over the past, I don't know, couple of months. Um, it just didn't dawn on me. I didn't even think twice about, you know, because we've gone to see Jim a number of times and my son's gone with me, you know, a couple of times. And it just, it just never even crossed my mind that it was at a, at a casino. Um, and so naturally when we got there, we realized that, uh, Lance couldn't go to the show because what we were going to do is do the interview and then go to the show. Um, and, uh, we realized he wasn't going to be able to go to the show. So he was really bummed out about that. And, you know, me being the dad that I am, um, I said, well, you know, if, if, uh, Lance can't go to the show, then I'm not going to go to the show. So I guess we're going to miss the show. And, uh, so Jim was cool with that. I mean, he understood. But uh, so we sat down to do the podcast recording, um, which, by the way, his his show will be posted on iTunes and Android and Google Play um, on February the 9th. We've got a um, really fascinating show coming up this Friday, which is the state of modern media. I talk with my old boss about just the way media is today compared to what it used to be. But I'll talk more about that in a little bit. So the Brewer show is posting on the on the on the ninth, uh, but uh, sat down with Jim and you know I'm gonna tell you he is such a, such a down to earth guy and and a good guy, and uh, we sat down and of course you know I'm, we're doing a, a podcast with a comedian who's you know Saturday Night Live guy and and uh, half baked with Dave Chappelle and you know he's great buddies with Chappelle but you know you basically would assume that we're just gonna be laughing our asses off for thirty for for an hour. 
And we did. We laughed a lot. But we got into some very, very, very deep conversation about about family, about, um, you know, the struggles uh, involved with that, um, about fatherhood, about because, you know, about the movies we made, because he also made a documentary called More Than Me, which if you ever get a chance to watch that, it's it's a really, really touching documentary. It's a great documentary where he takes his dad, who is a World War II veteran, he takes his dad out on the road with him. And uh, it's a great film, More Than Me. Check it out. Um, we talked about making that film, and we talked about The Speed of Orange, which is my film, and, you know, with my mom going through cancer and all that. And we talked about, we talked a lot about faith, and we talked a lot about how, you know, the way things unfold in life aren't always the way that we foresee them, but um, sometimes that's okay. And, you know, one of the things about getting older is when you... you, you you have this happen enough times, you're able to step back and say, okay, when I look at this in a linear nature, this didn't happen that I wanted to happen, but because this didn't happen, that happened, which led to that, which led to that, which led to where I am now, which is better than if I would have gotten what I asked for at the beginning. And so we talked a lot about that. And we talked about we talked about, you know, him being able to kind of work with some of his heroes and, and, you know, getting to hang out with some of these, you know, people in music and stuff that he idolized, Rob Halford and Hetfield and, and Slash. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was just such a great conversation. And, and um, <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of my strong suits as a journalist is my ability to interview people and to take them to places that they hadn't expected or intended to go. And I don't mean by pushing them. I just mean by creating a safe environment for them to speak. And uh, I was actually telling Lance the other day, probably the most important two words when it comes to interviewing someone is shut up. And a lot of times if you just shut up and let them speak, they'll, they'll, they'll go deeper themselves and, and, and I mean, I did that time after time after time with absent and, and the speed of orange and addicted to porn. And you know, just if you give people a chance to speak, they will. And sometimes the best thing you can do is shut up. And so that's kind of what happened with Jim. And, and we finished the interview and, and uh, the podcast. And he's like, wow, I, that was really fun. I didn't want that to, to end. And then he kind of got contemplative for a second. And he said, uh, a little deeper than I thought I would there. And I revealed a little bit more than I thought I would. And I said, well, that's <laughs> that's what happens when, you know, you get interviewed by me, man. But uh, we, we, we had a great time. And I really can't wait to share that show with you guys. So that's going to be on February 9th. So you want to check that out, the Jim Brewer podcast um, on February 9th. Going to be posting on iTunes and a bunch of other places. Oh, there's my Folgers. There's my Folgers. Hazelnut, love it. Um, then let's see. We got back on, uh, turned around, came right back on Friday. Friday was not fun. I did not feel well on Friday. Um, and uh, went to the doctor on Saturday, and they confirmed my suspicions. I had a severe sinus infection, which I just it just sucked. And here's the other thing. This is the the the, the shittiest part is the timing of all this because, you know, my wife, Desiree 
is South African, and she has been over there. Um, well, we've been trying for two years now to get her here, and you know, there's lots of reasons that we've that the, it's been prolonged for so long, including the immigration process. Um, but uh, she's finally going to be here. I haven't seen her. I haven't seen my wife in nine months. And um, she's finally going to be here. She's finished the immigration process. She had to go to high court to be able to move because of her daughter. So um, she finally won all that. And she's going to be here a week from today. So I just, I find it ironic that, you know, after nine months of waiting in full health, I get sick a week before she gets here. So I went to the I went to the urgent care on Saturday and they confirmed my suspicions and gave me some antibiotic and so I've been fighting it off and taking my antibiotics. So hopefully by the time she gets here next week, um, I'll feel better. And we are going to be doing a podcast with her uh, sometime in February, which I'm very excited about. I think you guys will enjoy her and and uh, her accent. So, uh, but, uh, another cool thing that happened over the weekend is, um, a few months ago, a number of months ago, actually now I was approached by uh, a gentleman, an attorney here in Colorado Springs, and he had an idea for a TV show. It was a, it was a seed, a seedling. And we talked about it and I planted that seed and cultivated it and it germinated and it's growing and it was an idea for a television show. So I wrote a treatment for it, and I, I wrote an episode for it. And then he liked the first episode so much, he paid me to write two more episodes. So I wrote three episodes. I've written three episodes up to this point. But after the first episode was written, um, we sent it to CAA, which is Creative Artists Agency, and which is the biggest agency in the world, if I'm not mistaken for what's called coverage. That's where they break it down and, you know, tell you, well, there's four, there's four grades they can give it, um, pass, which is basically their way of saying, no, this is never going to be made. Um, which about 95% of the stuff that crosses their desk gets is a pass. Then they have low consider. Um, then they have a just consider and then they have recommend. And I would, I would venture to say that, I would venture to say that fewer than 5% get consider and then fewer than 1% get recommend. And so we've been waiting for some time to get the word back on this treatment and first episode of our television show, which is called The Observer. And The Observer is the premise of the show is that it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a law and order type thing. However, it's filtered through a journalist. John Burgess is the is the gentleman's name, is the character's name, the journalist. And it's about getting the truth out despite all of the, um, you know, the peripheral relationships and uh, all the all the all the things that can come at you from different directions, because, you know, that's what I used to do. I used to be a journalist. And so I know the struggles of, you know, you have relationships with um, police and, and lawyers and sometimes even criminals. And so you have to filter through all those relationships to tell, to, to, to find the truth to tell. And so the observer is episodic television where, you know, he's constantly got to, 
he's got to deal with the story and the, 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 the relationships that are involved with that story and then get the truth out. And sometimes that's harder to do than you would think. You think, well, you just write the truth. But it's not that easy. It really isn't. And um, and so John is is our protagonist, and he's a he's a really lovable guy. He's he's a an engaging guy, and um, you just you you see the struggles that that he has to deal with. And there's you know obviously there's a cast of characters from other parts of of this environment that we create. So we sent that in, and and. Uh, as we're, we've been waiting for a couple of months now, a few months actually, on this coverage, I wrote the other two episodes. Well, anyhow, Saturday morning I wake up to an email from my buddy Dav, who is handling getting that done for us, and I open it up and I start reading it, and I mean, it's, it's, very, um, it's very comprehensive, the way they break it down and, and what they see, and, you know, the eclipse, the character arcs, uh, you know, all, all the things that they saw in the first episode, the pilot episode, it's called. And um, I get down to the bottom and it says overall rating, consider. And I had to read it like again, consider. And I kind of freaked out a little bit because I didn't expect that. So I, <laughs> all of a sudden, all the words I've been reading kind of just turned into, you know, a blur and they all just said, you know, words, 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 blah, blah, words. So I went back and started reading it again. And I mean, not only did they give it a consider rating, but they also gave the notes, some notes on what it would take to get it to the recommend stage. And you get to the recommend stage. I mean, basically, they said that it with a couple of, of adjustments, it's very marketable to network television, streaming and numerous other outlets who love this kind of content. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, network television? I was like, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, HBO. Oh, sorry, my phone buzzed. Um, it was it was pretty cool, man. It was, it was pretty damn cool. I just wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. So, um, so I had a, a, a wonderful time telling this attorney named Terry about that. There's my tasty Folgers, hazelnut, hashtag Folgers. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, we don't have any sponsors for this show yet. So we're going to start shamelessly plugging stuff in the hopes that someone will sponsor our show so we can keep going. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That's kind of where we are right now is, is I'm going to go through the month of February and, and if we can't get some sponsors, I might have to trim this down. Um, which I hate because I love doing this show. I love doing these podcasts. So anyways, I, uh, I, uh, had a conversation with Terry and, and I just told him, I said, you know, I, I did forewarn you on this coverage thing that, that you know, it's about 95% of these things get a pass and we, we're, we're going to be okay. If we get that, we've got other avenues that we can, that we can try, but I just want you to be aware of that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And I said, well, we don't have to deal with that anymore. And he's like, what do you mean? So I told him, I said, well, we got a considerating, not a low consider. We got a, a considerating with notes to get it to recommend. And that was, that was really cool. So we're actually meeting tomorrow. Um, 
and uh, I think we're gonna we're going to um, sign a deal to do three more scripts so that when we when we revamp the pilot episode, the first script, and we have we we get it to a recommend point, then we'll have six other scripts ready to go when we pitch it. So that if someone like Netflix wants to do an original series, we'll have six shows ready to go and just boom, we can get it going on it. So very exciting stuff there. I was I was super stoked to um, to get that. I just it surprised me, but uh, it was also really nice too because in the notes they said even if um, even if production of the Observer proves unrealistic, which means you know just even if the show doesn't get made. Um, that this is a very strong writing sample for the author, which I thought was kind of cool because that means that uh, they thought the writing was good and that, um, you know, what I took that as is, you know, maybe it's time to look at a a literary agent and see if I could get some more writing jobs because I just, I I think that would be fun to be hired to to write. And so... um, We'll see what happens there. I'll, I'll keep you posted on it. if we can if we continue with the show, which I I really hope we do. I really would like to get some sponsors and keep the show going, but uh, I'll I'll keep you posted on the progress of of the of the Observer and let you know what happens there. Um, another project that uh, popped up that uh, I might potentially be working on, which I'm hoping I'm hoping comes to fruition because it's a great project. Um, I was approached by an organization. Um, oh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they have a really neat program, and they do some amazing things. Um, it's called the Four Hundred Dollar House. There's a book out about it, and what they do is they go over to Kenya, and they, um, they build houses for four hundred dollars each. They've built almost almost two thousand houses, uh, for families in Kenya, and. Um, it, you know, number one, you're, you're giving these families, this organization is giving these families, um, a sense of ownership and pride because they now have a home to call their own. But at the same time, they are also revitalizing the, uh, economy in Kenya. Um, it's, it's on the West side of Kenya by Lake Victoria. And, uh, it's just uh, it's such a neat program, and I love what they're doing, and I love what their what their their motives are, and what their objectives are, and I love the fact that they're basically you know reestablishing uh, um, an economic structure and a community by building these houses, these four hundred dollar houses, and and they're pumping vitality back into the economy of of Kenya. So I was approached by this group. And we had a wonderful meeting a couple of Fridays ago, and um, we uh, it was really cool because during during the meeting, um, there was about four or five times where something would come out of my mouth. I would say something, and then the other three people in the meeting, who are all part of this organization, would look at each other and then look at me, kind of awestruck, and they would they would just tell me like you we just said that to each other, you know, a week ago or a couple of days ago or whatever, like even down to, you know, the budget, I told them, I, you know, I, I think we need to have, a, we need to have a budget of, of this much to get this thing done. And they all looked at me and they said, that's exactly the number that we had. 
And I also was telling him, like, you know, I just aesthetically, you know, the shooting in Kenya and, and, you know, some of the beautiful things we could shoot there, we could shoot with a drone. And we, and they're like, we just said we should shoot some drone shots. It was just, it was such a cool meeting. It was kind of a God thing. It felt like a God thing where, you know, it was like, all right, you guys are supposed to be working together right now on this. And so I think they're, they're out, um, they're out trying to raise the funds to, to do that. And if it happens and we'll start immediately on this film and then probably towards July, I would spend about a month in Kenya, uh, shooting this documentary. And, uh, I just am so excited to, um, to get back behind the camera and, and tell another story. You know, I, I did these five films and, and, you know, I started, I started American meth, I think in 2005, so we're talking about 13 years of working on really heavy stuff. Um, you know, meth addiction, um, absent fathers, um, you know, a very personal story about my family and the loss of my mother, and then um, a, a, a fictional film about meth abuse, uh, and then, of course, the Addicted to Porn documentary. So five really heavy films that were not only taxing on me uh, emotionally and spiritually, but also physically and then financially, because I paid for all those myself for the most part. And so, you know, I'm just after addicted to porn. And then, of course, the 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 feedback we got and the pushback and people, you know, people just being ugly about it. And it just it frustrated me that addicted to porn film. And so. Um, after those five films, I mean, I just, the wind kind of left my sails, you know, it was gone. And so, um, for them to call me and, and, and say, you know, we want you to do this. And by the way, a a nice little sidebar, and I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but, um, if all of this pans out and, and goes the way we expect it to, um, we might actually have a, an Academy Award winner narrating the film, which that's that's just big all the way around. That's that's huge uh, as you know, just for getting the film out in front of people. That's huge for distribution. That's huge for the value of the film. It's also it's pretty damn big for me to say that I've you know that I've directed an Academy Award winner. So we're hoping that happens. But I will I will definitely keep you posted on all of that as well. But. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some good things happening. There's definitely some good things happening, and and uh, uh, it just sucks that I don't feel good, but that that'll pass. But uh, in the meantime, we've got a week left before Des and Maddie get here, and uh, you know that's quite a quite a life change. Um, you know, it's just been it's just been Lance and I in, in the house for the past uh, number of months, and so now we're gonna have. We're going to have two more bodies in here, and one, Maddie is, a, is four. I'm going to tell you what, that little girl is hilarious. I'm sure that she'll she'll have something to say on uh, <laughs> on the podcast we do with this. I think we're going to try to do that one on the on the 16th. Um, I just think it'd be fun to, you know, see, like, what's what's the perception of someone coming into America from outside? And they're dealing with some craziness over there in South Africa, too. They're a... Uh, like she she lives um outside of Cape Town um in a in a little town called Malmesbury. Uh it's probably 30 miles away from Cape Town. But uh you know Cape Town is this 
big, beautiful metropolis. It's a, it's a huge city. It's absolutely beautiful. But uh, they're expected to run out of fresh water by April 1st. And, you know, that's scary. It's like, you know, what's going to, what happened? Then what? What do you do? What do you do at that point when you have no more fresh water? And so uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm selfishly very glad to be getting the girls out of there um, because I think it, there's potential for it to get very, very ugly. You know, I, I don't want to say anything bad about anybody anywhere, but uh, I could see the potential. There is, there's such a weird socioeconomic spectrum in South Africa. Um, and it, I, it, it, you know, I've been there, I've been there three or four times now and it literally, it literally feels like you're, like you're on a, like a powder keg, you know, like just, you're, you're just walking on top of this huge pile of, of, you know, gunpowder, dynamite, and people just keep, you know, with their little flint stones, and uh, I could just see it getting really bad really quickly, and, you know, I, I'm, again, not trying to say anything negative, but, I mean, there's a history of that, um, because there's just, there's, there's such a disparity between the different groups of people that live there, and it's, it's sad, it's quite sad, but it's, it's frightening, as well, because it could get bad in a hurry. So I'm glad that the girls are going to be getting out of there and uh, they'll be safe over here. So they get here a week from today. Woohoo! So I'm going to get some friends together, uh, Jeff and Steph, Jeffany, who you heard on the Christmas show, and my buddy Kevin Beatty, and maybe Stewie, you know, sports with Stewie. I think Stewie's going to try to come and we're going to, we're going to all be there when they get here and, and, uh, I think that'll be a ton of fun. And I think it's going to be a huge relief. And not to mention the fact that we haven't seen each other in nine months. And it's been two years, two years of struggle to get them here. And so um, once they get here, we'll settle everything down. And we'll have a big, big, big welcome to America party. So maybe all of you could come up. We'll just have a huge ass party here at the Hunt House. Welcoming Des and Maddie to America. But uh, so very excited about that and very excited about what's coming up with these films. And so um, let me uh, as we're geez, running out of time already, let me kind of preview for you um, what's coming up uh, this Friday on the Jew Who Roadshow. Um, I sat down with my old boss, uh, Scott Micklin. You heard him on on the Monday show uh, oh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know. Scott and I both kind of come from an old journalism background, like an old way of thinking, you know, the objectivity, the, um, you know, fourth, the the fourth branch of government, the watchdog function, which is what journalism was was meant to be at the beginning. Um, Like Edward R. Murrow type stuff. That's, that's where we came from. And so um, we just sit down and we talk about the state of journalism and how, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of lost its objectivity and there's, you know, everybody's got their own angle now and the slant and how they, you know, ingratiate themselves. And it's become more about the reporters and the anchors than, you know, and the personalities than it is about the content. And it's really sad because you can't trust content anymore. That's sad. 
you know, that's what I, when I say, you know, it used to be considered the fourth branch of government or, or the watchdog function. It's because journalism used to be uh, reporters that people respected and looked up to like Cronkite and Murrow. They looked up to them and they respected them because what they said was true and what they said was objective, and then you could make your own decisions. But now, it's like you you almost can't trust anything that's said in the in the news. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about you know the Donald Trump fake news bullshit. I just mean it's hard to it's hard to have complete faith in in reporting like you used to. And so Scott and I sit and talk about that, and it's it's an important subject to me. I mean. A couple of things happened recently because uh, I haven't watched the news since I left it. For those of you that don't know, I used to I was a news reporter and an anchor and a news director for almost a decade, and I left it because I I saw the storm coming and I saw where it was going and I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't want to be a part of it. And I recently watched some things in the news, um, and I haven't watched it much since I left. But I saw some things that just made me shake my head and and. Say, you got to be kidding me. This cannot be the type of reporting that people are doing these days. And so that prompted me to want to have this conversation with Scott and do the show with Scott. And, and it turned out really well. And so we'll be posting that this Friday on all the various podcast platforms. And so, you know, you want to check that out. Um, in the meantime, um, I'm going to let you go with a couple of uh, uh, requests. One is... Um, if you'd like to support this show, we could sure use it. It's uh, you can you can become you can basically just pledge to the show to help support it by going to patreon.com forward slash juhu. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash j-u-h-u. And there's a couple of choices there. You can get you can give whatever you want. Uh, if you give five bucks or more, we'll send you a bumper sticker. If you give 20 bucks or more, we'll send you a T-shirt. And um, that will help keep the show going. Also, if you are interested in sponsoring the show, um, you would uh, you get a lot of exposure to a lot of people. And so you can you can contact me through Facebook or um, geez, Instagram or you know you can find me on Instagram at the Justin Hunt. You can also follow the show at the Jew Who Road Show on Instagram. But I'm easy to track down. And uh, we'd love to have you as a sponsor of the show. But uh, in the meantime, that's going to do it for this Monday edition of the Jew Who Roadshow podcast. We're going to be back on Friday. We post usually pretty early in the morning on Fridays. And you can listen to Scott and I talk about the state of modern journalism. Um, in the interim, I uh, hope all of you guys had a wonderful weekend. And uh, it's Super Bowl week. So uh, I don't really have a horse in the race. But I just don't want the Patriots to win. I just don't. But um, we'll talk about that later. Anyhow, um, yeah, so have a great week, and um, we will uh, talk to you on Friday. And until then, have an awesome day. Mm-hmm.